what you're yelling for Lay back, it's all been done before And if you could only let it be You would say I like you the way you are When we're driving in your car And you're talking to me one on one But you become somebody else Around everyone else You're watching your back like you can't relax You're trying to be cool You look like a fool to me Tell me why do you have to go and make things so complicated I see the way you're acting like somebody else Gets me frustrated Life's like this You fall and you crawl and you break And you take what you get and you turn it into Honestly you promised me I'm never gonna find you fake it yeah, never ever write. And uh, yeah, you don't have to ever write. So, uh, hi everybody. This is Mo Class bringing my next episode of the Just a Nobody podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. As always, it's exactly, it's exactly 8.49 p.m. this Tuesday evening. And uh, it's episode number whatever on Just Nobody podcast. And um, I don't plan to kind of uh, publish it today. I'm just recording today. I'll publish it tomorrow at ease because it's already too late. And it's not that it's not that I edit my shows, as you know, you know, as uh, for people who have been listening for a while, you'll know that I don't edit my shows. They're pretty raw. They're pretty real. You listen to everything. If I, if if there's a burp also, you listen to it. It's it's pretty raw. Uh, but the problem is um, I need to put in put down, uh, you know, some um, I need to just kind of put the narration down of what the show was all about. And that takes me a little time because, you know, I kind of have to go back and see what what I talked about because I forget it as soon as the show's over. As soon as the episode is over. Fuck me, man. Not the show, Mo. Fuck you. It's not a show. It's not it's not a just a nobody show. Come on. Okay, that was uh, that was I was talking to myself. Sorry. Sorry about that. I was just firing myself. Uh, I do it quite often. I uh, um, I call myself an asshole at least three times a day. You know, literally, that's that's the number of times I goof up and I call myself. So I talk to myself that way. Anyways, yeah. So uh, how are you guys doing? Hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm kind of okay. I'm just kind of hanging around. Um, um, like. Um, uh, I don't know where I'm going to get my vitamin D from because uh, I am not literally going out. I'm talking about Monday to Friday, Saturday and Sunday, go out and do stuff like grocery shopping. Or if I have to get something, I go to Target or something like that. I just go and do stuff. But I don't know where I'm going to get my vitamin D from because uh, of Monday to Friday. Because uh, I, if I, if I, the only thing that I do during the weekdays is go out for my walk, my brisk walk, or maybe jog. Uh, that's what I do: go out jogging. And uh, it's never; it's always uh, either before sunrise or it's after sunset. That it's in the morning or it's in the evening. But at both times, it's you know after the sun sets or it's before the sun rises. So it's like um, 
there's no really uh, there's no kind of window you know to really get my vitamin D until I make an uh, I make an effort to go down and you know kind of uh, sit in the sun or something I don't know because I don't take any medicines I mean I don't take any kind of vitamin D medicines or something so uh, I don't know where I'm going to get my vitamin D because at this rate you know I'm going to really suffer from vitamin D deficiency believe me it's happening it's happening guys it's happening the pandemic is going to make that happen to me or maybe i have to change my timings of my walks or my whatever my jog that i go i maybe start a little later which i can't do monday to friday but maybe i should go a little early you know not after the sunset but before the sunset before sunset uh so uh that's what i would have to do because i'm really worried about that another interesting uh, interesting thing that i have uh, noticed is when i go for my evening jog like after sunset or whatever you know the number of mosquitoes in this area i don't know how they just gone like uh bonkers they really a huge number of mosquitoes like at one uh, at one point in time like i can literally see because i wear shorts and uh, go out so i can see um I can see like you know five or six mosquitoes on my uh, leg and there's so many of them I don't know what to do like you know do I have to get a repellent or something a, a cream that I need to kind of rub across my body I have no idea but they are getting insane but what happened yesterday was mind blowing and I wanted to share with you uh, I've not visited a salon or a parlor that's what uh, you know for a long long time now you know I'm not um, had a haircut i've not got my eyebrows threaded i do a little um i i thread my eyebrows and stuff like that so uh i've not done that for a pretty long time and um so it's almost now 6 months my uh, my eyebrows are like what they would be if i was a jungle woman you know if i lived in the jungles and uh if i was uh i never really ever visited uh salon or got got it threaded or whatever you know that's how it is it is now it's maximum that it's grown really bushy really hairy uh so uh so yesterday was such a mind blowing thing that what i noticed is mosquitoes are actually getting stuck in my eyebrows and they're dying so you know my eyebrows are now become uh, are now become patches of uh Uh, they're entangling uh, mosquitoes you know which is a great thing like i don't need any repellent when it comes to my face because as soon as a mosquito kind kind of tries to bite me or kind of sucks my blood uh on my face it just gets trapped in my eyebrows and that's it the, they're dead so i actually had two mosquitoes dead in my eyebrows last evening so that's that's a great thing i can protect my face from getting um sucked from getting blood sucked um but then um but then uh what about my legs you know i don't know what to do maybe i have to put some moisturizer or something you know because i'm not really hairy on my legs i wish i uh, i i wish i no i didn't want i don't want hairy legs no way i don't want hairy legs but i'm saying if i was hairy like my eyebrows how bushy they are and my legs they would have died mosquitoes would have died definitely just they just get trapped and they get killed but um that's on the case so i think i'll have to get some repellent or something or maybe just change to long pants or something but my face is secured huh thanks to my eyebrows mosquitoes can no longer bite me there so that's a good thing that's a good sign man that's a good fucking 
sign um anyways there's so much of uh, there's so much happening about uh, Kamala Harris becoming the uh, uh, not not becoming the vice president uh, of the United States but of course she's on the ticket on the vice presidential ticket a nominee uh, a nomination um of the Joe Biden and the Kamala Harris so uh, ticket presidential ticket now the thing is i don't talk about politics i don't like talking about politics mine is more more a society culture kind of podcast i don't want to get into po- the politics of things but all i'm trying to say is that um, why am i why am i bringing kamla harris's uh, topic is uh because uh, kamla harris is uh, has a lot of relatives in you know uh, ancestral home etc in chennai india so uh, what's happening is the indian media is covering kamla harris's uh, nomination on the vp ticket more than what the united states is doing believe me like literally because see the thing is i follow two news media one is the united states and Uh, actually all global news when i'm following news it's all about global i like i like knowing about how different cultures different societies different nations how they really run the business you know not the business really but how they run um how they run the country i like learning about that um and it's not about politics i like the I like the society culture kind of aspects of things of each country. So when I follow news it's all global. It's not of individual country. But uh India in the, in in the Indian news media Kamala Harris is breaking news because uh she comes from its uh, her ancestors actually. Of course she was born in the United States, but her ancestors come from a small town in Chennai in India. Now Chennai is about 2 uh, and a half hours. I've been twice there, been two times in Chennai. It's about 2 and a half hours from Bombay to Chennai by flight. So I've gone uh there about two two times very good food the idli the idli dosa vada sambar the best kind of food that you get there and um, of course i don't speak the the local language there because as you know in india there are uh, each state has their own language language so there are about 25 to 26 languages spoken in india of course the national language is hindi but the people in chennai don't south india that is chennai from the ancestors you know the ancestral home of kamala harris they don't speak hindi that fluently they speak they speak uh, tamil uh, so um yeah so i've been uh, two times there and uh, uh, like i always say like in india if i've ever lived uh, and i could ever live it is only in bombay because i've traveled to different parts in india and uh, bombay is the city that has because it was born there maybe i'm kind of uh, biased but that's the best city you know you have people from all over india really coming there and finding a job it's it, it's like new york you know the melting pot so i really couldn't live anywhere else like i've been to different cities but i just couldn't live anywhere else bombay was my home you know so yeah so talking about kamala harris she's breaking news in india the media in bombay and new delhi are traveling to chennai to cover you know ancestral home and do interviews with the uncles and aunties so it's like um, it's like as if you know uh, as if she's on the pr- pr- prime minister or presidential ticket in india no man 
So relax, you know. So they're right there uh, in her hometown interviewing the uncles, aunties. Of course, what I like about Kamala Harris is she's qualified, she's skilled, um, you know, and uh, um, uh, the best part about her is, um, and this is not political, okay, the best part about her is she, both her parents are immigrants, you know, one from Jamaica, one from India, so nobody you know, I mean, she's the best person to understand foreign immigration issues, you know, very well. And that's the, that's the, those are the pluses about uh, Kamala Harris. You know, she knows the struggles of people coming in, you know, uh, as immigrants to a particular country, uh, whether it is immigrants in the form of refugees or immigrants in the form of coming in to live the American dream, to become, uh, to, to work here or to study here or whatever it is, you know. So uh, I think, you know, she gets it. She really gets She would get it. I don't know whether she gets it, but she, it's definitely a thing that she knows, you know, automatically because both her parents came with that, uh, uh, came with that American dream. You know, one from Jamaica, one from uh, India, Chennai, India, South India. So, um, so those those are a few things that I just wanted to mention um, about. You know, why I think she has what it takes. Uh, besides that, it's so funny about how this birtherism kind of uh, thing really came upon her. Like it was really weird, and I was wondering, how do you define? birthrism you know this is a question about the birthplace whether she was born there or not and I was like you know okay let me just see what the definition is and I came across it and I kind of googled it and I want to know you know what exactly is the definition of birthrism because it was put upon her you know it was something that uh, many people talked about as soon as she was on the ticket um, and then I uh, got a few definitions. Well, there was one definition which, which actually said that birtherism is defined as the claim that President Obama was not born as a U.S. citizen. And so um, a false claim, a false claim that President Obama was not born a U.S. citizen and so had a legal right to be uh, had had no legal right to be a president. Another uh, another place that I kind of Google and checking the definition of birtherism um Another place that defined it as the incorrect belief that former U.S. President Barack Obama was born outside the United States and was therefore ineligible to be president under the provision of the U.S. Constitution. So these are two definitions that I got because I never came across the term birtherism anywhere. Of course, there was a there was a time it was a few years back that it was brought up, but it was brought up again in Kamala Harris's um, case. So, you know, when it really came out, what my question was like, hey, man, you know, why are we bothered about where someone was really born? Of course, it's a part of the Constitution or whatever. And I, I, I absolutely agree with the way each nation has set their Constitution and you need to go by it. But my question is, hey, man, you know, a citizen is a citizen, whether you're born in a particular country or whether you are naturalized in the process, you know, saying that, uh, uh, that the constitutional positions or administrative positions uh, should be uh, should be is is a person is eligible to take this, those top administrative positions only because uh, only because someone is born there. Uh, 
you know born in that particular country is really you know and saying that that is a requirement because uh, the reason is security risk of foreign entanglement of having foreign influence of the military by a person who looks over the military um i think that um uh, i i think you know uh, it's like you know it's like a suspicion on a person whether you you're naturally born or whether you're uh, naturalized in the process you know whether you're a citizen you're a citizen both ways so i don't really understand the eligibility criteria but maybe hey you know it just works for the country but that's my question and um, like the same thing happened in india now in india there is no criteria the, uh, as per the constitution each country has their own kind of you know requirements so the topmost administrative position in india is the prime minister it's not the president the prime minister is the topmost authority is the is the one who makes decisions is the one who administers a particular nation so there are elections held the term for each prime minister is about 4 years and uh, and he can run for two terms maximum like 4 plus 4 that's uh 8 years not more than that and um uh so uh, that's the end of uh, one person running and then he can never run again but as per the indian constitution you don't need to be born in the in india to be a prime minister you you just have to be a citizen whether you're naturalized in the process or whether you're born there but um but in spite of that uh in spite of that there was uh, there was a time you know in india uh, this was uh, about in year 2004 when um when uh, an italian born uh, italian born sonia gandhi now she was the wife of the pro- the previous prime minister so she was actually uh, you know people she was actually going to stand to kind of uh, put herself on the ballot uh for the indian uh for the indian prime ministerial election in 2004 but she was italian born so she was a f- but of course a citizen she she was naturalized in the process became an indian citizen but at the same time there were so many questions raised by people you know by uh by locals you know by indians who were born there that uh don't we have anybody out here you know who could who could take up the position why do we need someone who is who's born elsewhere to do such a work and uh and that that's that 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 was raised actually during the process and uh because of that because of that you know that craziness and people shouting all over and saying that how can we how can we do such a thing you know it shouldn't happen uh she had to step down because she was italian born but what's what's the big deal you know as long as she was a citizen she could stand and as per the constitution she was eligible to stand but she gave up position because she didn't want any kind of controversies uh just in case you know if she won it there would be a lot of problems for her to run the administration because of that italian born um kind of uh thing you know she got a lot of backlash because of that um but um but that's what i'm saying you know um i don't think we we should really look at a citizen uh whether citizen is naturally born in the state or whether naturalized in the process you're a citizen no matter what you know and that should not be the criteria i think what should be the criteria is what we've been noticing is people 70 plus want to take these uh, top notch positions 
And that's what needs to stop, you know. That's what needs to stop because uh, people who are uh, uh, who are 70 plus should not be occupying, you know, uh, top administrative positions. Like you need to give up at one point in your life, you know. And I'm not saying give up in the sense don't do anything. Do something new, you know. Go for something else. You've been there for so long. You've done this thing. Just go, you know, relax, be a mentor, mentor someone. After 70, you don't need to take these top administrative positions. These top positions need someone who is, who's, who's able to take that, uh, the stress of the job, you know. Um, so just like there's a cutoff uh, age for someone becoming a prime minister or becoming a president of a particular country mostly it is about 35 years same way there should be a cut off date for someone uh about 70 you know just just cut it off there you know that's what that's what i feel i don't know whether um uh whether you would agree with me but that's what i feel i don't think it should be um you know, we should uh, we should rather rather than having someone, you know, we, we talk about someone born in the country because of the security risk that it takes to get a foreign person who's naturalized in the process. I, I think a citizen is a citizen no matter what, whether it's naturalized in the process uh, or whether the person was born. But I think we need to have cutoff dates, definitely a cutoff age for a person um to, to occupy or to take or to be on the ballot for a top administrative positions. And then, of course, you know, when we talk about natural citizens, what about what about uh, parents who are citizens of a, of a country, but the child was born abroad, you know? So is that is that kid a natural born citizen? Because uh, she, he or she was not born in the country, born elsewhere, but both the parents are U.S. citizens, naturally. So how how do you uh, so what is that person uh, uh, how do you can you know what is the stamp that you put on the person is naturally born or naturalized the process another question you know what about a, a what about a kid who was born in the United uh, United States or born in the country forget about the United born in the country and then both both the parents were are foreigners you know they came in the country later on what about that kid is it is the kid naturally born or is it or is the kid natu- naturalized in the process what about uh, what about a kid who was born abroad but both the parents are the citizens of the country how do you classify that kid you know so there are different uh, you know there there are a lot of loopholes there are a lot of things that you know you have to further go go and classify because there are many things that could happen, you know. Kid may uh, may not be born uh, in the country because the parents were traveling, and both the parents are the citizens of a country. But if the kid is born outside, what do you do? You know, does the does the kid become a citizen of that country where he was born, he or she was born? So, uh, having this criteria of someone allowed to be a prime minister or president or the topmost administrative job in a country to be naturally born to be born in the country rather than becoming a citizen based on na- the naturalization process is really something that okay i just kind of fumbled is something that i really don't understand 
so that's what I want to kind of uh, talk about. Um, but whatever it is, I may be completely wrong. If you want to kind of educate me, hey, man, you can educate me. You know, you can just send me an email. Uh, I'll give you my email towards the end of this episode. Uh, so you can take it down right to me if you want to kind of appear or kind of not appear. This is not a video podcast. But if you want to speak on my podcast, you're really welcome to do that. You know, it is just a nobody podcast at gmail.com. That's my uh, that's my that's my email address. Anyways, I wanted to play um, a, a great comedy bit by Chris Rock. Of course, he's a comedian. Chris Rock is a very popular comedian. And since we, we're talking about Kamala Harris, since we're talking about, you know, the, her vice presidential nomination, I want to play this bit that I remembered of Chris Rock, you know, where he talks about a black white president. And I believe uh, Kamala Harris has um, uh, is the first black vice president nominee on the ticket. Um, so, uh so I wanted to play a bit of Chris Rock, which was many, many years back, you know, when he said that it's impossible. They can like there's never going to be a, a black vice president while there is a white president. That's what he said in this uh, this kind of uh, uh, this this stand a bit years back. And now it's like, you know, OK, we have someone on the ticket. You know, uh, so it's just the opposite and it's, it's, it's a reality. So I love this bit and I want to play it. So uh, let me just get it on and then we talk about it after this. Yeah. Get out of here, man. Vice president. You, ain't, you know what? That ain't going to happen. As long as you live, you ain't never going to see no black vice president. Not while the president's white. <laughs> oh, no, you will never see. Do you not? You say, they tell you never say never. I'm saying never. <laughs> I ain't never seen no black vice president. Not why there's a white president. You know why? Because some black guy would just kill the president. That's why. I'd do it. <laughs> if we had a black vice president right now, I couldn't wait to kill the president. Treat me like a hero for the rest of my life. <laughs> and even if they had a death penalty, what would happen? Let's get pardoned by the black president. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the biggest star in the history of jail. Be signing autographs 97-KY, here you go. Yo, Chris, Chris, yo, man, yo, I hope my kids turn out to be just like you, man. You know, I'm getting ready to rape you till I realize who you were. <laughs> that's, that's so amazing. I love Chris Rock, okay? And I love the way he speaks, you know, I love the delivery. The best thing about, uh, of course, he says never says never, and there cannot be. It's just impossible, you know, that there could be. A black vice president while there's a white president uh, in office and if ever you know um, this uh, Kamala Harris becomes a vice president whatever it is I don't know what's going to happen but if it really happens the never say never is actually is actually true you know Chris Rock is going to be uh, proved wrong but I love the way he kind of kind, kind of talks about 
uh, if there's a white or black vice president, what he would do? Oh my God. <laughs> Excellent. I love that guy, man. So go check him out. Chris Rock. Um, I don't remember the name of his, uh, this, uh, the special that he had done. Uh, but this is an excellent bit about the black, having a black vice president, what he would do, you know, uh, having one. I love the way he says, I would kill, you know. And if I go to jail, uh, people would praise me. And if they put, try to knock me down, uh, I would be pardoned, you know. Excellent, man. I'll tell you, comedy is, you got to have brain, you know, to do that. It's clever, it's it's clever it's uh, it's it's beautiful i just love comedy because of that i love how can you you can laugh you can make people laugh by speaking sense you know by speaking clever but mixing it all up with um with the truth and um, you know fun so i, re- I really love that part of uh, um you know of what he talks about really really fun i mean um He's a smart guy, man. Chris Rock. So go check him out. I don't know which one. I want to watch his new. I want to watch his new special, Tambourine. Uh, uh, that's that's something that is on my uh, list. Uh, but uh, but let's see whether I get an opportunity because it has to be you know on the channels that I really watch. But Chris Rock rocks, man. The guy is is uh, is really good. It's fun. Right, so what's happening, guys? Like, how's life treating you? Like, what's happening, you know? I'm trying actually to, um, I'm trying to, at least this pandemic before it gets over, I want to learn the Lion King's, uh, the South African, I can't even say it, but I'm trying it. I want to learn the entire the ritual, you know, of uh, the circle of life, you know, the the entire, uh, the, the, the South African, the African kind of, uh, you know, uh, chant at the beginning of the song. I love it, man. And that is something I really want to learn by heart. Uh, and I'm trying it. I'm going to definitely get it. You know, it's, it's only thing to language. And I have a lot of problem learning a new language. Like I've never learned a new language. And I've always been saying this from the beginning of time. Like I wish I could learn a language because that's going to be a real achievement for me. I came out from my mother's womb straight out speaking four languages that I speak. I never made an effort. I don't remember making an effort learning a language. So um, I wish I could, you know, learn a language as easy as some people really make it happen. They just learn a new language. Like I wish I could do that, but I can't. So um, so that's something that I was um, wondering about. Okay, so um, I was, uh, the, uh, I just came to know that, you know, uh, as we were talking about last time, if you've been listening to my shows, I talk about the universal basic income study that was, that has been, is, is being, that was being done in Finland, Finland, uh, Finland's universal basic income study uh, has finally concluded and the results are out so i was really keen since you know i was keeping an eye about you know where they were just trying where they um they took uh, they took a population of 2000 people in finland 
and uh, gave them a universal basic income for two years that is 2017 and 2018 and these 2000 people were unemployed people between the age groups of 25 and 58 years old they were given about 560 euros that is about 650 dollars per month so they were given that amount that is that this 2000 people universal basic income and they were tested against a control group of 173000 people uh, who were given who were unemployed and they they were living on unemployment benefits you know in finland so uh, this was a study that was done for two years 2017 2018 and finally the results are out you know because they want uh, europe actually or many nations around the world they wanted to see whether giving people a universal basic income you know every month no matter what no conditions applied whether you're whether you're employed or whether you're unemployed you're just going to get a sum deposited in your account or a check given to you no matter what so that was universal basic income and they, because you know they wanted to see whether it would take off stress from people give them peace of mind whether it is helpful to them to you know to become entrepreneurs to look think out of the box do more than what they would do you know kind of look for better jobs they could wait and keep looking for better jobs and just take anything that comes their way so uh finland studies finally out and i was very keen so i, re- I read the report and i went through a few videos and i came to know that uh, as per the report um it says that uh uh, the financial well-being and mental health and cognitive functioning of people of these 2000 people who received that uh, universal ba- basic income it got much better there was a higher level of confidence among these people because they were really sure that they're going to get something in their bank account every month so um, that was there there was less set uh, there was less stress and uh, they were less insecure like you know they, they were more secure uh, rather than you know especially during this time of the pandemic uh, uh, you know this pandemic would definitely be an advantage of course this was d- done in 2017 and 18 at that time we didn't have any pandemic um, and then uh, there were fewer health issues among these uh, among these people who were who kind of uh, in the in the study uh, they were f- uh, they were not involved with bureaucracy because you know if you're on unemployment benefits like Finland has their own social security uh, program and they they give they give them an amount for unemployment benefits. There's a lot of bureaucracy involved. You'll get involved with government, with the administration, etc. So these people who were taken up for those from those uh, social security uh, unemployment benefits and were given a universal basic income, they felt that there was fewer involvement with bureaucracy. Uh, and there was less uh, issues, fewer issues uh, when it came to mental and stress uh, stress stress issues the only problem with the study was that uh, the study was done actually to see how we could how finland you know they want to reshape the social security model by including a universal basic income so they wanted to kind of test it how well it would do the only disadvantage of the study which was done through survey methods interview methods a media survey and a poll was done was that it didn't uh, it didn't improve uh, getting a job you know so those people those 2000 people uh, none of them really got a job in the process you know that's something that they didn't get another disadvantage is this experiment was not done on people who were employed they were not tested against people who were employed and if they if 
and you know uh, and people who were employed were they taxed higher so that they could they could support the ubi program so that was a disadvantage only unemployed people were taken in the study that is 2000 versus the control group of 173000 who were on the social security unemployment benefits and these people 2000 were under the universal basic income so the only disadvantage is they didn't consider employed people you know in the model because when it comes to universal basic income whether you're employed or whether you're unemployed everyone gets it so i believe that's a disadvantage now many people after reading the study and the results and the reports opponents say that uh, happiness this is like happiness on taxpayers money you know some people said proponent says that it's, it's a model that makes people control their own lives you know because if you put money in their accounts they can take control you know they can they can look for better jobs they can wait they can uh, they can uh, they can uh, work on their creative skills you know spend some time there they can get into a business if they wanted to which is not really possible you know when uh, you are uh, when you have to earn to make a living so um so ubi is like you know it's like uh, so uh, that's that's the conclusion of uh, this finland study i don't know what they're going to do maybe they have to do another uh, study because it is important i believe so if you're talking about ubi universal basic income and you if you are including people uh if you're giving people the universal basic income to people no matter what gender age uh no matter whether you're employed or unemployed then you have to study um those 2000 people against employed people as well you know and that's that's what the study lacks so ultimately i have no idea what i get from it is is universal basic income just a utopia that's what that's what i'm asking myself you know is it something that is just um is this is just something that uh, uh, is uh, an illusion you know it's something that uh, it's a dream that can never come true that's what uh, that's that's what i feel now because uh, there's nothing uh, everybody uh, everybody is talking about how um, it's just not possible you know because uh, it's a high budget now if if a country like india has 1 billion people you know and you have to supply a universal basic income to 1 billion people or it's going to be a huge budget so how do you how do you kind of uh, support that you know um and as we know utopia is a place of ideal perfection you know uh, where there are no conflicts among people no greed there's no flaws um there's um the social improvement an idealized version utopia all citizens are you know um are treated equally an equal society with dignity that's what a utopian society is all about and what i think is you know universal basic income can make is is a step forward it's not that we'll reach the state of utopia you know Uh, it's not that ideal perfection kind of uh, place that we will reach but at least we will be a step further and i know you you know people say utopia is like you know what are we talking about it's fantasy it's never really possible it's uh, it, it's just not possible to it's just fantasy it's fiction you know 
But hey, what I think is utopia is a society which would at least give us the ability to bring about some social change, you know, slowly. That's how I take utopia as and UBI is that one step, you know, towards that ideal society to better life, to a good life or a good place, you know. Of course, utopia is fantasy, it's fiction, but at least we can keep that as a benchmark, you know. That's what we want to get. And to get there, you go slowly, you know. Bring about those changes. Like Plato. <laughs> Let's talk about Plato, the guy, the, uh, the philosopher, Plato, of whatever centuries, you know, centuries ago. He said that, of course, utopia, uh, Plato's utopia is basically... That it's impossible, you know, we can't get there because it's not a feasible alternative. No way. We can't put this into practice. We can't put utopia, an ideal society, um, a perfect place, a good place where there's no greed, no conflict, no flaws, perfect social conditions, perfect place, perfect government, perfect laws, you know, perfect justice. It's just not possible. That's what Plut- That's what Plato, not Pluto, Pluto is a planet, sorry. Plato, fuck, Mal, what the hell, you're an asshole. Just talking to myself, okay, that's that's just between me and my myself um, a little bit. Uh, yeah, so Plato, I'm talking about Plato. Plato, the philosopher, the, 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 the philosopher that people believed in, you know. So uh, he said that, it, it, but it is a thought experiment, you know, to put, put, put up the right lines to get there. How about that, you know? And yeah, as we know, like Plato, uh, he talked he talked against democracy. Now, I believe, like personally, I believe right now, democracy something is the best kind of uh, society that we can live in. At least that's what I feel. Like it is, uh, you know, where there's a lot of freedom. Uh, there's a lot of freedom and uh, you can, you have freedom of speech there's a constitution that uh, that is in place, etc. So I believe, um, you know, it brings up, it is the perfect kind of society that the whole world should really follow. That's what I think as of now. Um, uh, but Plato was against democracy. He said that democracy is basically freedom, uh, which is good, but at the same time is also slavery, you know, which is bad. So democracy, according to Plato, was not perfect. You know, he said that uh, in a democratic uh, kind of society, poor become bigger and bigger. The poor become bigger and bigger. People are free to live how they want, which is true. Um, But there's no order. There's no priority. You know, Uh, people consume unnecessary desires. So they try, they run behind unnecessary desires. That's what Plato said. They said they fulfilled their own selfish and personal desires. So even people in the topmost positions, you know, they are, they are administrative positions, top position. They're fulfilling their own desires, their selfish ideas and motives. Um, so we uh, democracy, you know, uh, is doesn't really work. That's what Plato said. I feel like right now, like in my place, in my mind, I feel democracy is the right kind of society that the whole world should live in. You know, we should not have communism. We should not have, a, um, you know, the other kind of uh, king, kings and queens kind of, uh, you know, place. But I feel that 
democracy is right. Plato, I, you know, when I was when I was reading about Plato, I said, "Hey, man, this guy makes sense." That you know, uh, of course, we we cast our vote, we put our ballot, and we select our people. But is an average person educated enough? to make to vote for someone who's qualified and equipped to rule a society like that's what the question plato asked and if i think about it right now like literally of course we've got the power to vote we have the freedom of speech we can we are free you know to run behind what we what our ambitions are etc but if you look at what plato really suggest about a democratic society he says that an average person is not educated enough to vote for someone who's qualified and equipped to rule in society so hey man that makes sense to a little bit but still in my mind i think democracy is the best thing but plato says no democracy is not okay so if democracy is not the perfect kind of society my question to plato was hey plato like you know so what is right then according to you give us a solution you know you can't just keep complaining so plato says that uh, ar- ar- aristocracy wait one sec i can't pronounce it aristo aristocracy a- aristocracy a- aris- aristocracy wait one sec i can't get it right <laughs> okay but you get you know, what i'm saying you know that kind of society where the rulers are basically kings and queens it's not going to work oligarchy which is a which is a power structure which rests in a small group of people a number of people who kind of rule over a particular society that's also not going to work he was against democracy as well so his solution you know which i was like boggled my mind actually blew up like literally my brain was out of my head you know when i read his solution because hey man if you're complaining so much you know plato hey man plato plato Mr. Plato, Sir Plato, what do I call you? Plato G? That's what I would say, Plato G in Hindi. Right. So if you're complaining about all these kind of societies that we have, so what is your solution? And I was like blown up. My mind, my brain actually flew up my head. And now it's kind of settled after kind of, you know, trying to figure it out what he's trying to say. Okay. So I wanted to share this with you and I'm sure it's going to blow your mind as well. Okay, so now actually as per Plato, okay? As per Plato G, he says that, you know, uh, uh, uh to have a perfect kind of society or not perfect, but at least close to um uh, uh close to the utopia. not not the perfect utopia that's not possible that even he agreed even we all agree it's not per- it's not possible to have the perfect place that good place the perfect life where everyone is you know just uh, kind of flawless and there's no greed and no conflict that's not possible at all but as per as per plato he says that you know uh, what we should do in society is that all the children that are there in a particular country or in, in all over the world that's what he says because we are talking about earth now a better place that is universal so uh he says that all the children uh they need to uh go under an education system that is equal you know say for instance there are 1 billion children okay young children you know 1 billion children on planet earth okay 
So what he says is that all these 1 billion children should be put in the same education system so that everyone has the same education. So what they start with is 10 years of physical education, you know, because health is wealth. He believed that you need to kind of uh, learn physical education, create, a, a, you know, learn how to kind of live a healthy a healthy life, eating well, etc., which which helps build, you know, the system. So that's what he says: is one billion children all over the world. Uh, they go into ten years of physical education. The next step is they do six years of music education. That is because it refines their character. As per Plato, he says that music refines character. It brings about rhythm. It brings harmony. It brings grace. So he says. After this 10 years of physical education plus 6 years of music education of these 1 billion children all over the world, that's an example, okay? He didn't say 1 billion, but I'm saying, you know, 1 billion children all over the world, there's going to be a test. And now in this test, it's called the Great Elimination Test, okay? Now in this Great Elimination Test, all these children, you know, who have kind of 1 billion children who've gone under this physical education and music education, they take this test. And those who fail the test, all those children who fail the test, they take up, they go in for industrial class, industrial jobs, like factory jobs, farmers, fact, uh, farmers, they become farmers, you know, all industrial class of society. So all those who fail the test, they take up these jobs. The ones who pass the test, okay, as per Plato, the ones who pass the test should go in further for further education, like 10 years of more training and education they go under. Um, and uh, after they become at age 30, when they become 30 years old, all those children, all those uh, adults, now adults, you know, after going uh, this 10 plus years of training education, all those, they take another test, okay? Now, this is a second big elimination test, okay? Uh, the ones who failed in the previous test have already gone out. It's an elimination. They've been eliminated from this population. So the ones who fail this particular second test, they become, uh, they join the army, you know, or they become, they, they're part of the auxiliary society. They join the army. And the ones who pass this test, the second big elimination test they are go they go under further training which is five years of um, five years of training where they learn philosophy they learn ideas they learn decision making leadership uh, so they uh, they learn five years of more training they go under and after uh, they do these five years of training they go into the real world they're sent into the real world so this population now is like lesser, you know, as compared to how they were, they started with 1 billion people. And now after these elimination tests, they come down to really a small population. But these people, you know, they, they're the cream. They're, 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 they're really smart people. They get five years more of education. They're sent into the real world. And then um, uh, the ones uh, after 15 years of real world experience, as per Plato, they are, they, these are the candidates who would become leaders. They're eligible to become leaders. So that's what Plato. Now, as per the democratic society, what happens is we people, like uh, we, uh, we cast a ballot and we elect our, our president or our prime minister or whoever. But Plato says that the population is not educated enough to select, you know, their own leader. 
We could select a wrong one as per Plato. So Plato says that we need to do this. You know, we need to send people for training, do the elimination testing of them, filter them down, filter them down. And then almost, you know, after all these trainings and all that, the person is almost 50 years old. Uh, and then they are the ones who lead, you know, after these two tests at 50 years old, then uh, they will lead a particular country. Because, you know, they're fit, they're tested, they've gone into this all trainings, you know, whether it's physical training, music training, training of philosophy, uh, training and education, you know, after so many years. And that's what is Plato's fucking mind-blowing way to select a leader or having the kind of society that we should all be living in, which blew my fucking mind, man. Like, you know... I always thought about democracy. And believe me, Plato kind of... Uh, I still am with democracy. I think that's the only way. We can't just waste so many years of training and, you know, testing and kind of, you know, you're just going to put in so much of time and training and testing, you know. Uh, there's no uh, there's no society where we think in an individual mindset, which is very difficult. I can't do it. I can't live the Plato way. But... If I look at it, you know, the thinking of Plato, he was a philosopher, man. Like, literally. That's high thinking. If you can come down to, you know, break it down to this. Uh, so, uh, that was something, believe me. That was really something. So, utopia, you know, I was thinking about universal basic income. It looks like something like utopia right now it looks like hallucination it's social dreaming it's like um, it's like an illusion it's never going to be possible but i you know every new change always looks like that every change towards a better always looks like a dream like a hallucination looks like an illusion something that's never really possible but it happens you know it ultimately comes true so maybe we can't achieve utopia but at least we can take a step forward to reach there you know to be closer towards it because that's what change is all about like look at climate change now you know it it almost seems like a utopia like are we ever gonna be uh, zero emission you know zero 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 global warming zero footprints carbon footprints are we is earth ever gonna achieve it no, that's that's utopia. That's what is like the ultimate ideal earth that we are thinking of, you know, which is not really possible. But hey, man, we can do a little bit to get there. And that's what we need to work on global warming. And, and so Plato's ideas are really good. I mean, it's not it's not feasible. It's not something that we can really implement. But those ideas, you know, the brain, that philosopher mind. Wow, man, I appreciate that, really. Um, uh, you know, and his, uh, his, he suggested a society of a good life with virtues of courage, self-control, wisdom, organized, and justice. You know, that's what he believed in these virtues, which is really very tough. You know, it's, it's an ideal society, which is really tough. But hey, man, we can always, you know, get there in... Um, in a small way, you know, it's not 100, like always we say that it's not 100% possible to get there. It's just not possible, you know, but, but at least we can try getting towards it. 
you know, uh, not 100%, but at least getting closer to that utopia kind of, uh, uh, you know, life. But anyways, as I was saying, I wanted to kind of, uh, I wanted to uh, memorize the Lion King circle of life chants, which is, uh, which is language that I don't speak. It's the African, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's that music. But I want to, uh, before I go, I want to kind of play that because that's my target. That's my, uh, you know, that's my uh that's my pandemic or a lockdown kind of thing that I want to kind of achieve. Memorizing that song, that's what I want to do. Hope I can do it. But before I really go, I want to say that thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. It's the best thing that you can do, you know, for, for me. Because I really appreciated you hitting the play button to kind of listen to me. I don't know why you listen to me. I have no idea. But thank you for that. If you want to write to me, you can write to me at justanobodypodcast at gmail.com. That's my email address. Uh, or you can also uh, write to me on Twitter. My handle is at M-E-A-R-L-C-O-L-A-C-O. That's my Twitter handle. Makes sense when you're writing. You know, that's all that I'm saying. And if you want to kind of uh, speak on my podcast, please be my guest. You can just write to me and I will just take you um, on air. So uh, let me just play a little bit of this. I can't say it, but I'm going to learn it anyway. Yeah, before I go, just, just hang in there. I'll be on the other side. Can ever be seen, more to do than can ever be done. There's far too much to take in you. That's all that I had for you. I love that. I love that chant. You know the beginning chant. I I want to get a hang of it definitely. Maybe maybe I just need some practice because it's a new language and I have to try really hard. Anyways, thank you so much for listening, guys. I need to go, uh, baby. Bye, 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 bye.